From diesel to electric, on this episode of Driven Too Far, we're talking about a driver's experience as they jump into an electric truck for the first time. Hello, I'm Andrew Winkler, and this is Driven Too Far, the truth about trucking, a podcast that helps over-the-road truck drivers balance career and family. Hey, we're back on this episode with uh, Driven Too Far, and we're with Brad Bain of 4Gen Logistics. Brad, um, on this episode, I kind of want to talk about the driver um, in their experience with the, the electric trucks. Last time we talked a lot about your journey as a company and what made you get into uh, the electric trucks and the ports in California. But I, I know there's a lot of drivers out there that are just really curious about this. Um, I guess, first off, tell us a little bit about your company again and what do you specialize in? Yeah, once again, our company in California is 4Gen Logistics and we are a dredge company and we're moving containers all day long in and out of the ports of LA and Long Beach. And then we have our local terminal in the Inland Empire that uh, delivers to a pretty wide customer base uh, on a daily basis there in California. So how many drivers do you employ in your California operation? Uh, Currently, between both locations, we're at about 60 drivers. Okay. And you say you've been going down this journey for up to like three years? Yep. What, what, how did the drivers react or when did you bring the drivers in to the whole idea of, uh, hey, we're going to have to go electric whether we like it or not? You know, the state's kind of pushing that way. And what were their reactions? Yeah, we, we started this electric journey once again before I came on about three years ago. I've been with the company now for two years. So they had been running some BYD electric vehicles in the ports before I got here. Uh, and the feedback from them uh, and from our managers there on site were once the drivers we had got into those BYDs, they pretty much said, we never want to come out of them. No so <laughs> I, took, I took that as a pretty positive sign uh, going into this. Uh, but then it was really my job and uh, to kind of ramp up to where we were taking the journey next and kind of building relationships with what other OEMs were going to get involved. And I knew early on that we wanted to have the drivers as, as part of this. Uh, we wanted them to be able to experience what it was like to drive one. We wanted them to be able to experience just the differences between a you know an internal combustion and a diesel engine and the electrics. Uh, and plus we value their uh, feedback. We kind of have a unique design here where if you looked at our org chart of our parent company or forge and the drivers are above the owner of the company that's just how important we feel the drivers are and so we wanted that valuable input and that's kind of how we set about the process when we started looking at other oems now you shared that uh you had driven uh the trucks too can you can you give the audience just a little bit what was your take on the difference between the diesel and the electric and what did it feel like? What, what differences did you notice right away? I, I think the first thing that always comes up, even when I got in an electric for the first time or one of our drivers gets in it for the first time, it's like, you know, how do you start it? Well, you, you literally, you turn the key over like you're starting a traditional diesel, but and you'll hear some clicks as the computers go through a few things, but then after that, it's just dead silence. Uh, so that's the first thing you notice right away is there's just no noise to it. Um, you know, when I first got in to just bobtailing around one of our day cabs in California in one of our yards, it's extremely impressive just 
the amount of torque and horsepower and how that relates. I mean, you can literally break the wheels loose at any given time. There's just that much torque, uh, thousands and thousands of pounds of torque that are there. Uh, so that was kind of unique. Uh, and the other thing is I had a chance to, to visit Volvo in Virginia and go out on their test track. And that's the first time I actually got to pull an 80,000 pound load with one of their electric vehicles. Uh, the first thing you notice is very quickly is how smooth the power transition is when you're going from a stop to 50 miles an hour, as we did on the test track. Uh, it's like you're not even pulling anything, uh, which was just crazy to think about an 80,000 pound load. And I don't care what kind of diesel you're driving, you know what's behind there when you're taking off. With the electric vehicle, it was like it was not there. Uh, Volvo's test track is kind of windy. And of course I had a, uh, an instructor with me uh, in the passenger seat. And as we came around a pretty tight corner to go under a railroad track on their test course, he had to remind me that I was pulling a trailer back there and I probably wanted to get a little farther to the right when I make this corner. And it was truthful. I had literally forgot I was pulling a trailer. That's just how smooth it is with this battery electric vehicle. So, and all of our drivers kind of got that same experience when they got a chance to get in there. So the feedback has just been phenomenal. Everybody's a little interested in how quiet the vehicle is, uh, but they're all impressed by just the performance of kind of that zero to acceleration either bobtailing or with a load on the back. So there's no transmission in electric vehicles, is that right? Are the motors mounted directly to the axles? Yeah, they can. They are mounted that way, but they're considered like a two-speed. So okay. you get a shift at about 21, 22 miles an hour. And that's the one thing I love about the Volvo and the Kenworth is how smooth that transition is. But that's really your only shifting that's kind of taking place at that point. Do you hear that? Do you feel it like you would in a traditional truck? Not as aggressive. Uh, probably a little bit more in the Kenworth than you do in the Volvo, but it is just extremely smooth in both of those trucks. That's incredible. Uh, so maybe tell the audience again a little bit, uh, what's your average length of haul? What are you really doing with these trucks? Um, are you... Uh, your drayage operation out of California. So are you staying really local or you, what kind of miles are you putting on them in a day? Yeah, well, we'll um, our Kenworth units that we're purchasing are going to be more specific to the ports. They're a four battery unit that gets probably 120 to 140 miles of range under the right conditions. So we don't have the range that we need to do our Inland Empire customer deliveries. Uh, so those trucks are going to see a day a shift usage of 40 to 50 miles and they'll come back to our home base get back on the charger and then the guys will head out on second shift with their trucks doing the same thing uh, our other operation uh, we need we went with the volvo vnrs because they're a six battery pack with 175 to 225 mile range and that's about what our daily shifts look like in the inland empires we deliver to our customers so we're excited to get those out there um, and be able to, to use those on our daily deliveries. And we hope in most cases um, that we can get through a whole shift without a charge or needing to change to another truck, but we're prepared for that if it comes up and we need to do some opportunity charging on a 30-minute break or maybe in some cases we'll have 
to have them jump in a whole new truck to finish their shift, but all things to be determined as we get the fleet rolled out here in the next six months or so. You know, I would imagine it was uh, scary, like any time you go through a change, and it doesn't even have to be in transportation, you know, any business, but um, you talked about bringing the drivers in from the beginning, and I think that's really important, that you, the transparency, I'm sure, but before the driver physically got to touch the truck or got to test drive the truck the first time, was there any kind of pushback from a driver or were they against it just because it was simply a change from what they're used to? I think we had a mix of both. I, I you know, I don't want to preface any generations, but our older generation drivers that have been around a while and love their diesels, uh, they definitely, yeah. you know, had some concerns, you know, how's this going to look? Uh, range anxiety is a huge piece for the drivers. You know, am I, what's the range going to be like? Am I, where am I going to charge if I have an issue and the battery gets low? And so, you know, you had those type of comments coming up and, but then you had a group of drivers, I think that were really, really interested and wanted to know as much as they can know about it. Uh, you know, an example of that is when we took four of our drivers to a test drive and they all fell in love that day with the electrics when they got a chance to get in them got a chance to drive them and then i have those drivers like every other week like when's our electrics coming when's our electric coming we really want to get in the electrics so we kind of had a mix of both uh in our drivers and i think we still have some drivers that are very anxious as we roll them into the electrics but once again we haven't had one driver as we've rolled out some of these new Kenworths and our one new Volvo that have got into them, that if I went and tried to take them all out, they'd look at me like I had three heads and say, no, I'm not getting out of this truck. I love this truck. So any driver that's had the ability to get in the truck and drive it and use it on a day-to-day -day basis has been extremely happy with um, the experience to this point. So you mentioned Kenworths and Volvos. Are, are do they look like a traditional truck, like the diesels, like we're used to looking at? Because when you saw the Nikolas and and the Teslas and some of these other uh, trucks come out, they, they looked a lot different. They look had more of a European look, probably. Yeah, I mean the cab over that that Nikola's doing. That's what our BYD trucks are cab overs. Okay. Uh, you know, we definitely took into that into account when we were when we were looking at it. But for right now, it's a T680E and if you looked at it from the street, you'd think it was just a 680 Kenworth. Uh, the Volvo six battery packs we have look just like a Volvo day cab. The difference with the six battery packs is they have two of them piled right behind the cab. So you can notice a difference there, you know, with that big thing stacked behind the, the rear window there. But other than that, they look just like your basic diesel day cabs. What have you guys done? Have you had uh, curiosity uh, like from the community at all, want to know what you're doing? Has it presented any opportunities for you to go out and speak in the community about what you're doing and your experience with it and how you're moving forward? You know, not so much community related because our depots are kind of uh, ones in the port of Long Beach. And so there's not a lot of so people that are public by there doesn't see them so much. Yeah. yeah. And it's kind of the same way. We're kind of in a kind of a warehousing area with our Rialto yard. So not so much on the community standpoint. Uh, I can tell you with 4Gen being an early adopter, um, I, I speak to a lot of people that are reaching out to me more from the trucking community that 
that want to make this transition and which I'm glad to do because, you know, we're three years into this and there is so much we've learned and so many things that we probably look back and maybe do a little bit differently now. And I think not only us, but all the OEMs we've dealt with, the utilities we're dealing with, they probably say, hey, if we could do this all over again, we'd do it a little bit differently. So that knowledge that I have three years into this, I, I love to share and every opportunity I get, um, you know, if somebody reaches out, I, I make it a point to make the time to, to have that 30 minute to an hour conversation to help them maybe avoid some of the things that we've had to deal with over the last three years. Uh, I'm thinking about the driver recruiting aspect of it. Is there interest from drivers that want to come to work for you because you've been aggressive in implementing the electrics? Have you had to change anything? Or maybe you haven't had to recruit a whole lot. Maybe you haven't had any turnover to speak of. So, Yeah, the good news for us in California is we have this unbelievable long-term stable group of drivers. You know, we have that 10 or 15% that's always turning over, but we have this really good core group of drivers. So we haven't had to do a lot of advertising for new drivers, specifically around the electric piece, because one, we have so few units right now. I imagine that'll change a little bit as we go completely electric. We hope by 2025 that that'll be part of our marketing efforts. I can tell you that we probably get the best uh, recruitment efforts from our current drivers who are talking to drivers they know. And so we're getting interest that way saying, hey, I'd really like to be part of the team, love to drive one of these electric vehicles. So we're seeing a lot of that, which is good news for us as a management group because we know drivers are talking positive about their experience so far with the EVs that we do have running. Yeah, you can't ask for anything better than referrals anyway, so for sure. Yep. If uh, So I'm thinking about my own personal operation. Our average length of haul is probably five to 600 miles. We cover 48 states. So I don't think the application's there yet, but we do run uh, some local uh, trucks in Nebraska and Indiana out of our two terminals, kind of local drivers for the day. If I decided I wanted to start thinking about moving forward, you know, how long does it take to get an electric truck from an OEM? I know how long it takes to get a diesel truck. You know, you got to put your order in six to 12 months out usually. Are electrics the same? Can you even get them? Is the waiting list long? And then what's a realistic expectation for me to put something like that into play thinking about, you know, I got to work with the electric companies and get the charging stations. Am I two to three years out if I decide to pull the trigger today? Well, I would like to tell you, no, you're not two to three years out, but our experience tells us otherwise. But once again, it's all going to kind of depend on the, the size of the scope. You know, are you looking to put one or two trucks into play? Uh, your timeline's probably 18 months. Okay. Um, from an OEM perspective, I would say from everything I'm hearing, you're probably 12 months out from day of order okay. for your trucks. Um, we've ran into some recall issues that have extended our timeline, but we ordered 20 from one and 40 from the other OEM. So our, our orders were pretty substantial uh, from the electric side. Um, but I, I would say give yourself 12 months to 18 months. Uh, the other side of that is, um, you know, the infrastructure piece. If you went, which I'll tell everyone initially, that's your starting point. 
don't even worry about your equipment until you've had that initial conversation with the utility. Uh, you need to kind of go into mine uh, is with a good game plan. I'm going to have this many pieces of equipment. I'd like this size of charger. Uh, this is what our shifts are going to look like. This is the demand we're going to put on the system. And it doesn't have to be exact. It just has to be a good estimate of what you see like now. And I also tell people, make sure you let them know what you picture it looking like two or three or four or five years from now so they can build in that uh, grid that you're going to need to support that power. But have that initial conversation with your utility. Let them come back and say, here's what we can do. In our case, we were lucky. The power you need is right across the street. So that takes that obstacle out of the way. If the power's not there, they might tell you that's gonna add another 12 months to get power to your property. So you gotta factor that into your decision. Or in some cases I've heard that the utilities are saying, we're never gonna be able to get you the power you need at that facility. So companies are having to go out and look for new properties, which is not a cheap endeavor in the state of California right now right. to buy property. Yeah. So that's that has to be factored in, but it really has to all start with utilities. And through that process, they should be able to give you a timeline of when they could energize your site and which property they can do that on. And then you start having the conversation with your OEM about which equipment you would like to buy and what's the timing look like there. And then, you know, your charging infrastructure company the same way. Uh, right now we're seeing 70 to 80 week lead times on switch gear we need for our infrastructure. Uh, we, we keep hearing that number is going to come down. And of course we have some monster infrastructure to support our five megawatt and our three megawatt sites that we're having initially. So if it's a smaller operation, two or three, four or five trucks, you're not going to have the huge switch gear that we're dealing with on the infrastructure side. So that timing will go shorter or should be shorter for someone looking to get into that. But it all starts with your utility. It has to start there. And that kind of drives the rest of the process. Yeah, it makes sense. Even if it's, uh, you know, we're kind of in rural, rural communities. You, you know where we're at because you're from Nebraska too. But yeah, maybe it's not even a possibility for where we're at in the center of the state. Uh, I can see the bigger cities and stuff, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess. No, I, I've actually talked to quite a few companies, uh, some in the South, some in the Midwest, and they've kind of thought about the idea of even putting one electric truck at their facility. And they're a very rural area and their utility that they're dealing with, I, I don't want to say they laugh at them, but they almost laugh at them like there's yeah. no way we can support I've, that kind I've, of I've heard that. Yeah, I've heard that too. So. I don't, I, that probably doesn't get me off the hook. It just means I got to find a different alternate <laughs> source. So, man, this has been a fantastic conversation again. I can't thank you enough for joining us on the podcast. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting this one out there because I think there's going to be a ton of driver comments and questions and stuff like that. So thanks so much for your time and, and sharing your knowledge with us today. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, once again, appreciate the invite and I'll just throw it out there. I am open if people have questions or just want to pick my brain about our process. If, if they're looking to get into it, uh, specifically in California, but anywhere else in the country. So uh, I'm an open book right now and we'd be glad to kind of help people dodge the minefield of electrification right now. 
Yeah, tell us tell us again how somebody can get a hold of you either through a website or email. Yeah, um, you know I'm I'm out on LinkedIn. Feel free to to, to connect with me out there, or you can shoot me an email at uh, Brad Bain, and that's B A Y N E at dslog.com. Thanks, Brad, for joining us today. Take care. You bet. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Driven Too Far. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review and a comment below. 